Hi, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, howdy folks. You're with Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. So glad you're here. God's grace and peace be unto you this day. Uh, we are going to uh, cover a topic um, called Intelligence Report. I know for some Christianity and intelligence may seem like an oxymoron, but it's truly not, brothers and sisters. When you know the Lord and you have access to his knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, uh, you can give an intelligent report. Amen? But it's really important uh, in these days of mass delusion and deception um, that we understand uh, the enemy's camp. And uh, so I thought it critically important to do this episode on the intelligence report of the enemy's camp. Now, <clears throat> when I was a United States Army soldier with the 101st Airborne, occasionally they would train us uh, on the art and skill of scouting. And so, you, you know, you basically got chosen out of a rifle company, maybe two or three of you, to go forth, you know, from your position uh, to get as close as you possibly can to the enemy's position uh, so you could send back, you know, vital intelligence information. And so when you're out there kind of snooping and pooping and sneaking and all that kind of stuff, you know, you, you get as close as you possibly can and you're there to observe, you're, you're there to uh, understand the fortifications, you know, uh, of the enemy's camp. Like, you know, where, where, if any, are there any weaknesses, you know, in their lines of defense? Uh, where are their communication capabilities set up? Uh, you know, where are their sort of supply chain and location? Where's their ammo dump? And uh, like, and information like where does their leadership headquarter, right? Because you want to gather all that kind of detail, all that kind of information to send it back uh, to your, you know, soldiers, your camp. So if you decide um, to attack that position, you have the greatest accurate intelligence report that you would be successful uh, in that attack and uh, drive out the enemy and overcome them. So, you know, in warfare, and I'm talking just in military terms, you cannot imagine how important accurate intelligence information is when you're attempting to wage a good warfare on any battlefield uh, that soldiers are required uh, to fight upon. And so intelligence is, 
is is critically important and um it's also important in the spiritual realm i think most of you know uh we are involved in a spiritual battle now it has you know physical and cultural and governmental ramifications you know of this spiritual battle we talk about spiritual warfare uh, the Apostle Paul is clear that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, you know, spiritual wickedness and high places. And so God, you know, calls us to put on the full armor of God, unsheathe that sword of the spirit with the shield of faith and go forth uh, into battle, you know, as conquerors and conquering. Amen. And so critically important. But I did want you to know, even in the scriptures, you know, God gives us an intelligence report about the enemy's camp. And it comes from a specific prophet uh, called Isaiah. Isaiah is interesting on many fronts when it comes to one of the major prophets of the Lord. Just for instance, I don't think it's a coincidence like when you come to the prophets part of the scriptures in the Old Testament, Isaiah is the first prophet, okay, mentioned uh, in the canon of scripture in the Old Testament. I mean, he, I believe he is strategically placed by the Lord uh, in order. And I also find it interesting that when you look at the first thing that God deals with through the prophet Isaiah is a religious nation like Israel uh, that is going through all their religious ceremonies and rituals, and they're a highly religious nation, but they are tolerating child sacrifice and the shedding of innocent blood. So I do not think that's a coincidence. It really shows you in God's mind and heart uh, how important uh, this particular abomination is to the Lord. And so, like I said, Isaiah, he, he's, he's one of the most, it's probably my favorite prophetic author and book in the Bible for a number of reasons. That's, that's one of them. But, you know, obviously he prophesied so specifically, so many glorious details about the Messiah, the coming of the Lord. I mean, just incredible. Um, and uh, the other thing about Isaiah is he, he got to see the Lord. Okay, we, we read about this in Isaiah chapter 6, right? So between Isaiah 1 and 5, you know, Isaiah is just unleashed, you know, the machine gun of woe. I mean, it is woe to you, woe to them, woe to this nation, woe to that nation. It is woe, woe, woe. And then you come to Isaiah 6, and now it's woe is me. And this is the prophet. This is the spokesperson for the Lord, okay, uh, that the Lord is using um, to prophesy to Israel and to other nations. And what is so interesting is the Lord, he, he removed the veil from heaven 
uh, or I should say from earth to heaven, like that, that, that curtain that separated the earth from the heaven. And for a, a little bit of time, God removed that curtain so Isaiah could literally look into the heavenlies and see the Lord. And so it's, it's an incredible uh, experience for the prophet Isaiah. And so he is seeing things. He is hearing glorious things. You know, the angels running to and fro, you know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, right? And the whole earth is full uh, of the Lord's glory. Now, what's so interesting, up to that point, he is just prophesying, whoa, 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 throughout the entire earth. But once he sees the Lord in his glory, now he's seeing the whole earth is filled with his glory. And so what I want you to see by this is God allowed the prophet Isaiah to take a peek, to get a glimpse of heaven and he who sits on the throne. And obviously not many people um, throughout redemptive history has had that glorious experience uh, in the Lord. But the, the Lord allowed Isaiah to have that powerful experience. Well, it's also the prophet Isaiah who gets the intelligence report of the enemy's camp. I'm talking about the prince of darkness, Satan, uh, Lucifer, you know, Lucifer, you know, the adversary. And so you find this um, report in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through, let's say, 15. So listen very carefully uh, to this incredible insight that God allows Isaiah to see, and then he reports this to us. The, the scripture says this, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground. And you could read more about that uh, in Revelations chapter 12, where he is cast down to the earth and he is full of fury because he knows his time is short. And I love it because it's right then and there. God Almighty says, now is the kingdom. Now is the salvation of our God. Now is the reign of Christ right in the thick of the battle when it's most fiercest. That's where God plants his sword in the ground and lifts high his banner. Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now here's the insight this is the intelligence report working through the prophet Isaiah when it comes into the enemy's camp. And it's based on the five I wills of Satan. Here's what the scripture says. For you have said in your heart, see this? We're getting insight into the heart and the soul, the being of this creature and here's the first I will. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit 
on the mount of the congregation. The congregation. Keep that in mind. On the farthest sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and here it is. This is his number one boast, his number one I will, that gives us great insight into what motivates Satan and what his ultimate goal is. Listen, I will be like the Most High. I will be like the Most High. Intelligence report from the enemy's camp. Here's his motivations. Here are his goals. Okay, this is what he is all about. This is his agenda. And God has given insight to the prophet of Isaiah to look into this being's heart. Out of the, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So he is seeing into this being's heart and he is hearing his goals and his motivations. It's the five I will boast of the evil one. But verse 15 says, Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. And so we know, you know, that is the ultimate end of this evil creature who has rebelled against the Lord his God and got full of pride and uh, we know how he, you know, influenced one-third of the angels to join in that rebellion and how God told Michael, hey, grab him, cast him out, cast him down. And he is on this earth. And since he has been on this earth, the battle has raged through the pages of Scripture, throughout redemption uh, history. And, of course, uh, that battle is what we're engaged in today. So here again, we find this intelligence report of the enemy's camp. Now, I got to say this. Um, there's times where I've preached about hell and, uh, and, and, and obviously that's where this five I will boast will end up uh, in hell. Okay. But I once mentioned that the theme song of hell is I did it my way. Okay, and so that's that's what the 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 creatures right now suffering the torments of hell. That's the theme song. I did it my way. I did my will instead of God's way and his will. And so when we deal with this battle, right, you know, for the souls of men, you know, the lives of children and the future of this planet, when we're dealing with the battle for souls, it's, it's kind of a similar to a battle of like rearing children. Um, if, if you're a parent and you're raising children, you know, they're these cute little cherubims that have a sinful nature just like you and I, right? And uh, boy, it's a real battle over the will. And so what we see in, in the intelligence report we're dealing with a creature <clears throat> that doesn't give a rip, doesn't care one iota about the will of his creator. 
<clears throat> it's all about I will, my will, okay? And of course, when you're raising children who are fallen creatures just like you, right? It becomes a battle over the will. And let me tell you, parent, that is a battle you must win. Because I'm telling you, for the most part, barring a miracle, if children do not submit to the will of the parent, it's very unlikely uh, they're going to submit to the will of God. And so when it comes to child rearing and training, believe me when I tell you, the main battle is the battle for the will. And again, we see this so clearly uh, in the enemy's camp, right? And I, I've mentioned time before, you know, when it comes to Genesis 3.15, you know, this battle, right, between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. Well, how do we know the difference between the two, right? Well, the seed of the serpent is, is my will, my way. You know, I do what I want to do whenever I want to do it with whomever I want to do it. And nobody's going to tell me what to do. Right. That's that rebellion. You know, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, stubbornness as idolatry. Right. Um, you know, that is the fallen nature of the human race. OK, we want people to obey our will. We want to do it our way. Okay, well, what's the difference between that and the seed of the woman? Well, the seed of the woman follows the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah, Lord, if there's any way possible, Father, take this cup from me. But not my will, but thine be done. Okay, so again, this five I will boast of Satan, incredible insight into the enemy's camp, the goals, the aspirations, the agenda, right? And how he just savors this in humanity, how he encourages it, right? How he, 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 he tries to inspire it in all of us, right? And so what else do we learn about the enemy's camp from this intelligence report? Well, we find out Satan is a seriously a religious creature and he craves religious expression remember he wants a high seat in the congregation and we know this is true on many counts when you go throughout the scriptures uh the most significant is of course satan is present at creation all right, we're introduced to him pretty much right after the Lord created the heavens and the earth and everything upon it, right? The animals, man, you know, the birds, the, you know, the, the fish in the sea, uh, you know, night and day and, you know, um, the seed, you know, bearing plants and trees and, you know, right after, you know, this glorious creation uh, is established, up and running, fully functional, we get introduced to this unsavory character, right? And so right from the get-go, we find out, hey, um, you know, there's something rotten in Denmark here. Uh, there's something very uh, dangerous uh, in this paradise 
that God has created. And really what gets me, and this is, this is seriously to me, tells you how, um, how much he, he creates, craves like religious expression and endorsement, right? Because when you think about it, at the most, probably the most holiest moment in sacred redemption history is when the Lord is with his disciples you know, having the Last Supper, that covenant meal, to institute the new covenant in the earth. And here's the thing. Who else is present when that they're breaking that bread and drinking that cup? The Bible says Satan entered Judas. He was right there in the most holiest, sacred moment in this planet's history. Who's in the room? Satan. Now, this kind of brings up like his ultimate, like boast, his ultimate, I will. What's, what's his ultimate goal? Well, it's to be like the most high. Now, when Paul describes this adversary, Satan, in the New Testament, he doesn't present him as the biggest, baddest, ugliest dude on the block. He doesn't present him, you know, as some hideous, freakish being with horns on his head and a tail. And by the way, that actually came from the medieval church. And it was sort of their idea of spiritual warfare because they knew the enemy was intoxicated with his own beauty. And that's what inspired the pride in him to rebel. So what did they do? They dressed him up like some hideous clownish freak to rebuke his pride and his narcissistic love that poisoned his entire being. But that's not how the Bible presents this enemy, all right? This enemy of God, this enemy of our souls, right? This enemy who, by the way, has no mercy, no compassion, okay? I mean, it's hard, it, it literally, it's hard to imagine such a being, uh, but he he is that cruel all right and that conniving and that shrewd and that cunning and that deadly you know the scripture tells us that we need to be vigilant we need to be on alert because this enemy goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour so we know that's one aspects of him now he's at war with you listen to this and listen to me, he is at war with you, whether you like that or not. And that, that means of necessity, we have to war against him. There is no neutrality in this battle, brothers and sisters. Okay, we cannot make a Conor McDavid deal with him. Hey, like you leave me alone, you know, uh, you know, and I'll leave you alone. Okay, no, no, he'll never go for that. Okay, he is driven. 
He is driven. He's an agent of chaos and of destruction. That's his source. That's what drives him. Okay, but what is he really like? Well, Paul reveals it. And you find this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself, listen, into an angel of light. Now, we know that Christ is the light of the world, and we're to be children of light, right? We know there's no darkness in God, no variableness of changing, right? He is steady. You know, he is, you know, consistent, okay? There's no arbitrariness in God, no capriciousness in God, amen? He is the light of the world. And so, again, what is this enemy after what's his goal i want to be like the most high god well what is the most like high god like well he's the light of the world okay then i'm going to counterfeit that and i'm going to become an angel of light therefore here's the scripture it is no great thing if his ministers you know those people with the collars on that are paraded out at uh, pro-abortion rallies and homosexual and transgendered events. You know, those, those, those collared ministers, right, who transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. you got to understand, brothers and sisters, Satan is a religious creature. He craves religious endorsement. How does he sanitize his evil? He comes as an angel of light. His ministers come as ministers of righteousness. It's a facade. It's a mask. And what's behind that? A wolf in sheep's clothing that is devouring the souls of men. And so what we see happening in America today in the name of love, in the name of compassion, in the name of tolerance and mercy, we have this enemy killing, stealing, and destroying this generation. Here's how G.K. Chesterton summed up this sorry state of affairs. This is what he said. The modern world is full of old Christian virtues gone mad. I'm going to say that again. The modern world is full of old Christian virtues gone mad. So what does this reveal? You know, it, it reveals that mankind is duped by Satan to misapply and misappropriate the virtues of God and Christianity to establish wickedness. In other words, Satan will always provide a good reason why men <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> should participate in evil. This is what Proverbs 12.10 states, kind of sums it up pretty well. The tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Proverbs 20.10b. The tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Well, as Christians, we're supposed to have tender mercy like 
we received the tender mercy and the loving kindness of God, right? And shouldn't we have compassion on others? Shouldn't we demonstrate tender mercies towards others? Sure, we're Christians. But I want you to see with this enemy, this religious creature, you know, he also has tender mercies. Well, how do we discern between the tender mercies of the Lord and the tender mercies of the wicked? Well, it's the outcome. It's the fruit that it produces. See, the tender mercies and the loving kindness of the Lord, it leads to God's salvation. It leads to our healing. It leads to our deliverance. The tender mercies of the wicked inspired by the devil is cruelty. It's cruel, right? And we see this so manifest, you know, through child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood and the perverse advancement of the homosexual and transgendered movement, right? You got this slick sloganeering like love wins, right? Well, who could be against love, right? Love wins, sure. And what does that do? Well, it deceives the masses. Because the reality in the Bible is love only wins when truth sets us free. Amen? But I want you to know, behind that deadly influence of organizations like Planned Parenthood, it lurks the angel of light, aided by his human puppets, these ministers of righteousness, who clothe themselves in compassion for women. And there and then, Satan is able to commit the unspeakable with impunity. These are ravenous wolves in sheep's clothing who rip apart the very image of God. And then they throw away these children like pieces of trash, all the while smiling and assuring the children's mothers they are only there to help. Right? If you've been in this battle against abortion, you know exactly what I am talking about. Okay? This is what we're dealing with, brothers and sisters. And now that the Dobbs decision has been handed down and they finally admitted the truth that Roe versus Wade was unconstitutional, uh, they did fail, however, the Supreme Court uh, to protect those children's lives by upholding the 14th and the 5th Amendment, so they cowardly kicked it back to the states. And so what are we seeing now? Well, we're seeing the enemy's camp, inspired by their father, the devil, uh, rising up. And what are, they, what are they seeking to do? Well, they're seeking to enshrine abortion uh, in their state or in state constitutions. It just happened in Ohio. And that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast to expose uh, this 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 deception that's even honestly um, leading conservative Christians astray, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get into how how, how that's possible, okay? But I gotta tell you, when, when when we're dealing with the enemy's camp, when it comes to you know abortion, homosexuality, you know um, anarchy chaos, confusion, they, they, they deal with uh, Orwe Orwellian doublespeak. See, Marxists, they're, what they tend to do to try to further 
uh, their tyrannical agenda in the earth is they take buzzwords that you and I know or relate to as Americans and they twist them to give them a different meaning. Okay, and this is pretty much how they're able to deceive the masses to further their agenda uh, that is obviously having a devastating impact upon this nation and our generation, okay? So, you know, what they did in Ohio, uh, they're trying, you know, to pass it now onto other states. I just moved to Florida, and they're trying those shenanigans here. And so even as I speak, they got people, even some people who claim to be Christians, going around asking Floridians to sign a petition, uh, a ballot initiative uh, to vote to enshrine abortion in the state constitution of Florida. Now, I will say Florida is a lot stronger in their procedures as a state, so it's, they're not going to have the same ride that they had in Ohio. And most likely, they're going to fail here in Florida. But I do want you to listen very carefully to the phraseology of the Florida initiative. This is what it's called. Amendment to limit government interference with abortion. Limit government interference. Oh, yes, the last word is abortion. Now, here's the thing you have to understand. These people are shrewd, all right, because they're inspired by the one who is shrewd and cunning, okay? They understand with the pandemic and the whole mask deal, six feet apart, you know, get vaxxed, right? And the harm and the tyranny and the death it has caused. I mean, there is a lot of blowback from we the people. And we are very suspect, as well as we should be, about our own government and, and, and the, the ones who are making decisions when it comes to the health of Americans. And in some ways, the, the, our, the, our medical, um, uh, you know, field, uh, it's, it's, you know, hospitals and doctors and nurses and stuff in many ways it has become the modern day killing fields. Okay, so people are very suspicious, rightly so, and there has been a lot of blowback uh, against uh, this government overreach. And so, you know, these people, they're very much aware of this. They're very much aware of the sentiment of the American people. And so when they're going down the street and they got a petition that says, hey, we want you to sign a petition that's going to limit government interference, of course. And it doesn't make a difference if you're a conservative or a liberal, you know, you know whatever your stride. Man, if it's going to limit government interference, sign me up. Because I want the government, I want to put a chain on that beast. It's been devouring far too long. And they need to get back in their lane and leave us alone. Mind your own business. You know, and honestly, that really does need to happen, brothers and sisters. And so 
what they're doing is they're tapping into this sentiment, okay? And so, and I've already heard reports here in Florida that good Christian conservatives have signed this petition because they didn't really look completely at the phraseology. All they heard was limited government interference. Okay? And this is this is how this Orwellian doublespeak, this Marxist agenda, this is how they're beginning to deceive the masses, okay, to establish more evil, more wickedness, and more abominations in and upon our nation. And so, brothers and sisters, we... we <laughs> We have to understand the enemy's camp. We do need an intelligence report. How in the world are they doing what they are doing? Right? And getting away with it. And this is why we got to critically examine things. We got to critically think through the issues. And we got to make sure our responsible, our responses are biblical that we are true to the Lord and his holy word in Jesus' name. Now, lastly, I do want to conclude uh, this podcast um, to give you maybe the intelligence report when it comes to what is happening to us as a nation politically. Now, ultimately, again, we're dealing with principalities and powers, okay? But those principalities and powers work through the human beings, okay? All right, you know, there has to be an expression, okay, to kill, steal, and destroy, all right? And that comes through the human race, just like God's spirit and his kingdom is established through the human race. Well, so it is in the enemy's camp. And so when if you want some insight to know how in the world we have gone from a free nation, the most prosperous and most powerful nation on this planet, to what we have become. Do your homework. Okay? Here, here's, some, here, here's a book, and here are two manifestos that I highly encourage each and every one to read and understand. Now, what do I mean by this? You know, before World War II... There was a madman called Hitler. He wrote a book called Mein Kampf. Mein Kampf. Where he's literally laying out his agenda. What he plans on doing. And here's the thing. Most people didn't take him serious. And I don't think most people even bothered to read what it was he was stating, well, that ignorance cost us World War II with the loss of millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people's lives. Entire nations reduced to embers because of the lie, the deception, the delusion of this madman when he wrote it to let us know what his agenda was, and we didn't take it serious, okay? 
I'm saying that because there are certain things that are written in our day. And so if you want to know what's happened to our government, you want to know what's happened to our culture, if you want to know what's happened to public education, you need to read The Rules for Radicals by Saul Alinsky. And you also need to read The Communist and Humanist Manifestos. There and then, it is laid out what the agenda is, what the goals are, what the planks and the platforms are when it comes to undermining our nation to turn it from a free nation to a Marxist nation. And we are well on the way, brothers and sisters. So again, we got to get an accurate and good intelligence report. Ultimately, we get it from the scriptures. But we also need to know that the enemy of the Lord, in fact, Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, in the introduction, he dedicates the book to the first rebel, Satan. And by the way, his two star pupils for Alinsky, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. They studied under his tutelage. And obviously they've been major, major players in what has happened to this nation for our harm and not for our good. So brothers and sisters, let's get busy. Let's get some understanding. Let's comprehend what's going on around us. Let's get armored up, okay? Let us know the facts, the history. Let us know the scriptures. Okay? Critically important when it comes to our future and our hope. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, this last or this latest uh, episode, this intelligence report of the enemy's camp. And as usual, you keep pressing on to that high call and prize in Jesus' name. God bless you, saints. Until next time.